Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 12th episode of From Print to Podcast, presented by the Roanoker Magazine. I'm your friendly neighborhood editor, Liz Long, and in today's episode, we're all about the food, talking about our 2024 Dining Awards with cover star and multiple award winner Treehouse Tavern, thanks to owners Lee and Scott Markham. Next, we hang out with Bloom Restaurant and Wine Bar chef owner Nathaniel Sloan to learn more about one of your favorite restaurants in town. And finally, we learn how hard our local farmers are working to put food on restaurant tables and on your favorite menus, thanks to our friend Alex Stewart of Thornfield Farm. It's our final episode of our first season, and what an amazing adventure this podcast has been. With 12 regular episodes and five bonus ones, I've had the privilege and pleasure of 40 interviews this year, not only highlighting more about and from our magazine, but also more in general about our region and the incredible people in it throughout the year. It's such a dream to do this job, from print to podcast and all the steps in between, and I'm so honored you chose to be part of it with us. Thank you for an amazing year. We have so many more exciting things to come as the Roanoker Magazine celebrates 50 years of loving local in 2024. Now, without further ado, let's dive into our delicious dining episode. We're talking tasty, family-friendly food today with the award-winning Treehouse Tavern, thanks to owners Lee and Scott Markham. Hi, Scott. Hi, Lee. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, readers first met you and the Treehouse Tavern in our July-August 2023 issue, highlighting creative tavern-inspired fare, barbecue, and more found in the family-friendly Bent Mountain space. It must have resonated because our readers later recognized you in multiple categories in the Roanoke's 2024 Dining Awards Reader Poll. And I'm going to list these because it's a a few because you guys (laughs) rocked it. So you had silver for best barbecue, best wings, bar where everyone knows your name, best pet-friendly patio, best place for lunch, a silver tie for best chili gold for restaurant with can't miss daily specials and of course platinum of the big guys and you guys got platinum for not only best county roanoke best roanoke county restaurant best hidden gym and best outdoor dining but you also won platinum for best family friendly restaurant and a platinum tie for best new restaurant open within the last 18 months phew that's awesome congratulations that's so wonderful thank you um, and so we knew that was something really special when, you know, we saw all those awards go to you guys. And it's really always amazing to see a new restaurant make such a crazy big impact on the community. And so we knew we had to send our dining photographer, John Park, out for a variety of shots. And so the team took one look at that great Italian sub sandwich, <laughs> which if you're watching our YouTube, you can see in the background here. Um, and we knew, we knew it was our cover for our dining issue, our November, December cover. And so, you know, who doesn't love a great sandwich? Yeah. Uh, so congratulations again on the many recognitions. And, and it's so wonderful to have you guys here to learn more about your restaurant. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So in thinking about all the things that sets your restaurant apart, because everybody says that they're family friendly and, you know, they offer a variety of things and you guys really serve that up. I mean, literally and figuratively. And so I'm curious about how you approach making dishes that resonate with the community in such a way. Well, by virtue of being the only restaurant in the area, uh, that gives us a lot of advantages. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, um, our goal is to, you know, really try to uh, include traditional tavern fare um, with the classic comfort foods, kind of with our own spin on things as well, um, and, and providing, you know, some unique specials that are not, you know, the typical what you would always think of. Uh, that gives a little variety and gives people, um, you know, something to look forward to mm-hmm. or guessing what, what's going to be next. But, uh, you know, we try to make every version of that 
the best that we can, even if it's as simple as grilled cheese. Yeah. So. Well, who doesn't love a grilled cheese too? I <laughs> yeah. eat that right now at 1030 in the morning. That's uh, really fantastic that you're thinking about, you know, I, I love the Campus Daily Specials category. That's always really cool because it means you need to come back. Even if you're a regular and you're there all the time, you got to come back because you got to know what's coming up. Do you guys do like seasonality ingredients and things like that when you're thinking about your menu items? Absolutely. Uh, you know, especially when it's appropriate. Um, the seasonality is what gives it kind of uh, our signature or flair up mm-hmm. there on the mountain uh, with as much local produce that's available. So, um, you know, we're trying to we're finally getting hitting our stride, I guess, um, trying to incorporate more of that. Um, the vegetable aspect of things is really one that we can capitalize on now. Yeah, that's it. Well, all the kids need their veggies, so, you <laughs> know, um, and that's great. So we actually, um, in the same episode, in our dining episode, you're going to um, meet Thornfield Farms owner, Susanna and Alex. And so talking about how restaurants are working with local farmers and getting produce around the area is so important, critically, both to our region and, of course, to your own diners and interests. So that's fantastic. Um, in ter- talking about the great food, you know, and talking about that community with the farmers and, and the community, how do you engage with your diners, you know, what's your role in terms of creating that community space for them? Well, I think, you know, we kind of wanted to have, and it took a while for it to really, you know, come together, but we were looking for, you know, local bar, restaurant, tavern style, you know, where everybody felt comfortable. Um, You know, our always famous tagline of where everybody knows your name. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what really uh, means a lot to us because without the local support, we wouldn't be as successful as we are. Um, and we couldn't have done it without them mm-hmm. by, by no means. Um, but you know, it's just, uh, the community is something that, you know, until you're the only one and, you know, the only option, you really understand how important it is to, to make that commitment mm-hmm. and, and commit to the community. And then as long as you commit to them, they can return the favor. So, Absolutely. Um, but it was funny, you know, when we first opened, you know, nobody would sit at the bar. Everybody was in the dining room. Hmm. And I asked one of my servers, I said, you know, why, why doesn't anybody sit here? And now there's never an empty seat, it seems like, at the bar. So <laughs> Did you do something different or was it just learning? It just took time. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, it was immediate. You yeah. know, there was just like, I guess nobody was... Um, I felt comfortable to just jump mm-hmm. into the bar mm-hmm. or something, but, uh, but it did, uh, it grew and we changed up the, the seating so that it's, uh, I think it's a better mix of seats in well, the bar area. I like the evolution. You, you realized something would help. And so you immediately fixed that and now look, it worked out. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and I think it's interesting that you were looking for, um, flavors menu space that would be comfortable for you and for your family. You have yes. how many kids? I know you have a baby. Three kids. Three kids. So of course you're thinking about them in the middle of your day too. I think that that's a really neat part that you've incorporated your own personal life into your business. Yeah. I mean, I think our own family really um, is the inspiration for most of the stuff we do there. Um, having the baby this year, I'm there working mm-hmm. way less than I thought I would be, but that means I bring our family there so we can see Scott um, so I kind of get to see it from the perspective of a diner, a mom bringing her kids. So mm-hmm. I'm always adding stuff. And I mean, just stuff as simple as like a stool in the bathroom so they can wash their hands without the mom having to hold them. Yeah, but that's so perfect because some people might overlook that. I mean, I don't so I don't have kids. I've got a dog and I would never think about something <laughs> like that as a business owner. But like what an important part of a mom going, thank goodness I have, you know, this this tool that I can use while I'm out and about trying to enjoy just a regular dinner with my family. Yeah, well, we have plenty of dog bowls for the outdoor. Oh, perfect. Okay, good. Yeah, because you did get the patio. So. Yeah. 
Oh, perfect. And so, you know, you've mentioned that this is a key part of your identity, the the family-friendly style, and something that we certainly learned a lot about in our July-August issue when we talked to you guys. And so, you know, you you talk about uh, an an ambiance for the patrons of all ages, right? So you're catering to, what's the phrase, you know, birth to birth to 90, you know, two to 90 or whatever. (laughs) And so, um, you know, how do you how do you start that? How do you decide I really want to make this a family friendly space? I mean, we just we said that from day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, I and think we've... everybody had a hard time seeing our vision in the back area where we've really, you know, uh, excelled with finally completing all the projects. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Um, a lot of not just persistence, but some really good fortune and some good people that we've met that helped, you know, John Rothert has been instrumental in helping us build everything out in the mm-hmm. back. So, um, yeah, I think that outdoor space, I mean, for us, we've always looked for places with an outdoor space. I mean, kids are almost always happier outside. Um, so we've really put a lot of effort right. into that area to make that comfortable for everybody. Mm-hmm. And we've seen, with our friends and regulars that come now that there's a fenced in area, they can sit on the patio and their kids can run. And we've seen what a difference that makes from when they sat or trying to sit inside and stay at the table. Right. You're not chasing your kids down. Like they can stay in a safe safe space and you don't have to worry necessarily. Yeah. It's much more relaxing for everybody. No names, but the one in mine, uh, a dad (laughs) came in and it was the first time I saw him sitting enjoying himself at peace just and his kids were over on the other side of the yeah. patio fence just playing and having a good time yeah meanwhile you know the previous experiences indoor you know the traditional right at the table what are they going to do you know yeah now so. he gets to eat his french fries hot when exactly. they're out <laughs> exactly <laughs> and the moms of course you know i see so many the moms you know have to sit and juggle and you mm. know now they actually might have a minute to eat properly <laughs> when they want to that's the goal <laughs> yeah. well i love that you're using your own family's inspiration for that because um you know you've already noted but you really go in and see things from that mm. perspective which is very interesting and clever i mean just really smart to think about it that way and like what do your kids want on the menu and how would they play in the space and things Um, like that oh they have opinions (laughs) yes that might disagree with us showing up and having our opinions (laughs) well you know kids didn't do that (laughs) and so you know so we've talked a lot about the kids so for somebody like me you've already hit on the dog bowls i'm very you've got me you've got me already um but you know for adults to enjoy a meal catering to those needs thinking about preferences of menu items for everybody because not you know sometimes it's chicken fingers for life and then other times you want a salad or whatever you know you've got a variety of things um you know how do you how do you cater to everybody because i've seen so layla our dining writer she posted a picture of your nachos a couple months ago and i'm still talking about i'm still thinking about those things like i can't wait to just put my face right into a plate of them oh my gosh like Um, how do you yeah how do you look at ingredients and menu items and think this is going to work for everybody like what's your inspiration behind that i mean i think just starting out with the equipment we had we had the pizza oven the smoker Mm -hmm. a grill it's we've kind of got a lot of bases covered just by those particular items um but we really do put a lot of thought into Making sure there are different priced items, mm-hmm. you know, small plates, bigger plates, plates. Um, I think a lot of times, too, we think of how our family orders and we kind of like to split stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of get creative with the menu. And like a lot of people order the sampler um, that has the ribs, wings and barbecue as an appetizer. My eyes just got real big. Oh, um, so then and then you can get a pizza as an appetizer mm-hmm. and, you know, share a salad. So I think. 
it, even though it's not really presented as a family style menu, it can kind of be broken down like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to share so we can taste as many things as possible. That's me too. I want to eat everything on the menu. So I like the, the share is a great idea. Staff, staff input too. Um, yeah. You can't be, uh, I mean, said enough about that. Um, they're always thinking about new things, innovation, or just different combinations of what you already have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can take X, Y, and Z and Yeah, we do a it. lot of kind of reorganizing the ingredients. Yeah, like puzzle pieces. Different dish. Yeah, that's cool. But uh, yeah, it, it's um, you know always open to suggestions too yeah. for um, from the staff. I'm always fascinated by chefs and, and staff who, again, you look at four ingredients and you, you somehow create this like fantastic <laughs> meal out of it because, you know, that's my brain doesn't work that way. So it's always really interesting to, to hear how you're coming up with menu items that way. Um, and so in thinking about how you expanded, you know, your patio and you have all these opportunities to, com- to communicate with the community, um, are there any initiatives or events that you're organizing, even if it's not right now, maybe it's next year, you're thinking about ways in which you can sort of really integrate um, I mean, that's uh, the uh, event planning is kind of one of the things that's been put on the back burner mm-hmm. this year. And I know we both feel like we have all these ideas and sometimes we just can't get to it. Um, whether it was because things were under construction or new baby, baby didn't sleep. <laughs> um, but we definitely we finished the outdoor space more towards the end of the summer than we were planning. So we're really looking forward. It's to so beautiful. Like it's that. so much more space than you yes. realize. Um, so definitely live music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to be a big draw. Absolutely. Um, well, not to mention d- during this season of like spring summer, um, you know the valley patrons can come up and experience a 10 to 12 degree cooler environment up yeah, there. Yeah, so really is that's a, a different huge draw atmosphere. Summertime. Uh, so, I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. Yeah, it really is. Cool. Um, and, you know, with all the construction finally completed, and we've had the sunshades uh, providing, you know, uh, during the summertime, mm-hmm. a, a break from the heat as well. So uh, it's just, it's very pleasant. It really is. Yeah, it sounds like you're going to be the place to be in the summer with all the music and yeah. great food. Um, <laughs> And I mean, so I can participate. I kind of need to plan around kids. So we right. definitely have some different kid-friendly events in mind. Um, we had our daughter's first birthday party and had a musician come and do a little class. And that was really cute. That's awesome. And it was on the new patio and everybody loved it. Um, the banquet was a huge success, I yeah, think. Our K-Spring 12 and under, proud Super Bowl champions. So. Um, yeah, our son's football team. Um, both of our son's football teams had their banquets there. Cool. So stuff like that has been really fun that Absolutely. involves the community and our own family. Yeah, you're just going to be doing more of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, and so switching to a bit of a more difficult question, only because things are always changing in the culinary scene, particularly with food and pricing and things like that, the challenges that you guys face. So, you know, your construction is done and everything's perfect and wonderful, but you're still going to have challenges ahead, (laughs) right? So, you know, and thinking about those challenges, staying ahead of trends and things like that, what do you guys, how do you guys do that? How do you guys stay on top of things on trends or or thinking about what the next step is for yourselves? Me or you? Um, I mean, I think we both can talk about this. This year's been pretty much survival mode for a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I said, we're kind of just now feeling like we can get ahead to plan. Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as our menu, I mean, we really try to stick to the basics and do them well, but then use seasonality to kind of um, 
address the, you know, daily specials and ways to be creative. Um, as far as, tra- I don't know that we're really like follow food trends. Um, That's all right. In, in my mind. You <laughs> you're creating your own with those nachos. Yeah, um, trends are, you know, the seasonal Mm-hmm. opportunities yeah. mm-hmm. and um to me that's the biggest opportunity to capitalize on is uh, what you know what the seasons can bring yeah um, that's a people great point. look really look forward to that mm-hmm. you know there's nothing better than the thought of a like an heirloom tomato blt that you can get once it's available waiting all winter mm-hmm. eating you know those pale stale i'll be first tomatoes. in line for the heirloom <laughs> tomato blt by the way that's like one of my favorites now and well and it's interesting because you know like we have a the italian sub on the cover and like we've had several people we were at stock market um a couple of weeks ago and we had people coming up to the table because they were enticed by the colors right they see the the green and the you know the, the color and they just walk up and they're like i want to eat that sandwich so bad and so it's interesting just to see like even that color can be sort of a trend because it's capturing their attention. They want to see something really nice on a plate and it's going to be a delicious sandwich. They're going to think about all week. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think like holidays have kind of driven a Mm -hmm. lot of specials. Um, We started doing Rubens and corned beef and cabbage around St. Patrick's day. And that just lasted a long time because everybody loved it. Yeah. Cabbage is a Um, a popular um, item up on the mountain. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's well known Um, for the, I yeah, guess but they say it's the, the soil. Cabbage, so. I did not know that. Okay. Well, thank you for teaching me something new. I'll have to look into that. That's interesting. <laughs> well, cool. Are there, you know, in addition to the patio and things, is there anything that you guys are like really particularly proud of? I mean, obviously you, you've survived the year. You've gotten through it. That is definitely something to be proud of. But anything else that you guys just really can't wait to shout to the moon about? I mean, I think our outdoor space, you know, that was the biggest challenge when we looked at it from the beginning. And it just seemed like it would never happen and somehow miraculously we just persisted and Mm -hmm. it it came together um we can sit back and look at it now granted we need some fine tuning and some you know the little details but the majority of the work that's been done on on the outdoor space that we can finally hit you know a season a spring summer in full stride and not have to you know wait on this to be completed Mm -hmm. or that so um that's that's pretty exciting, you know. Seeing the bar full, you know, yeah. Seeing I think the dining just room. seeing everything running smoothly. Like I said, when I show up as a customer, mm-hmm. and I see him just running from job to job, like serving food, talking to a customer. People come up and tell me how happy they are. I think just that general, like, feeling of yeah. being in our own restaurant, and just sometimes. The constant thank yous from the yeah. community is really satisfying. And it's just heartwarming when people just take the time to, to thank us for doing what we do mm-hmm. and being there. And, um, you know, until you make the drive up and down the mountain, you know, <laughs> two, three times a day, yeah. if you yeah. had to, like I have had to, uh, you really begin to understand what a presence it is because it, it gives people a, a local spot to gather, somewhere to go eat, somewhere to watch a, you know, a football game or a hockey game or, or what have you. So it's just... The opportunity, instead of having to go to, you know, all the way to Floyd mm-hmm. or all the way down the mountain, um, you know, it's just, it's very, it's very satisfying to hear those uh, compliments. That's such a wonderful point. And, and for the readers who haven't read the feature um, yet, so how did, did you guys ever see yourselves owning a restaurant? I mean, was this something that yeah. you, you knew immediately from the get-go you wanted to do? Yeah, yeah we met working in a restaurant um, and we've kind of been together since we met so it really has always been mm-hmm. a part of our plan it just took a really long time no that's all right but you're here now so that's um, what matters. yeah but I mean at this point we really do feel like it was meant to be and we ended up where we were supposed to be yeah. well and your experience brings a whole nother like level of 
wonderfulness to you know your your new adventure because you were bringing that knowledge and wisdom from your past jobs and yes, applying sure. it to see like how the things that you maybe didn't love in previous experiences now you get to fix those for yourselves and really own it so that's really exciting yeah I mean and Scott had years of experience in food sales and payment processing that I mean, that helps him every day. Absolutely. That sounds like a lot of math. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's not a fun industry. (laughs) But the, uh, you know, in addition to that, just being able to handle problems, Mm -hmm. taking care of issues when they arise and not having to necessarily call somebody unless it's an emergency where it's beyond your scope or skill set. But the can do attitude and the mentality of being able to handle problems when they arise um, is definitely something I've learned over the years. You've got to have that. You have to possess that quality because it it'll it'll eat you up yeah. financially and time wise. Sound like you have a pretty level headed approach to it. So <laughs> that's where she comes in. <laughs> well, it's good. It's, I mean, clearly you guys have a great partnership to to be able to do all these things. I mean, you're running all these little facets, and then you're coming and seeing it from another point of view <laughs> that allows you to build that in. I mean, that's really important. That's really critical. So what a wonderful partnership to be able to do that. Well, we are very happy with it. <laughs> so um, obviously we talked a little bit about challenges. So you're talking about the wonderful things that you're facing head on. How about, are there any other challenges outside of maybe ingredients and food? I mean, the, the payment processing and things like that, you know, you're the guy now that people call. Like you don't call somebody, people call you. I, I mean, that's got to be a pretty big challenge some days. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think our biggest challenge is, is really getting the word out mm. more than anything. We've been relying on a lot of local publications, social media. Mm-hmm. This is certainly getting the word out beyond, um, you know, I can say from the past couple weekends after the articles have come out, we've seen a surge in, in new faces. Oh, good. Um, that's definitely um, been there. But, you know, after our son's football banquet, you know, a lot of parents were saying, we didn't even realize you were up here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's in this day and age of where you got to have it yesterday and you know everything's at your fingertips and you're still not known for your presence on the mountains as, mm-hmm. as a restaurant um so we look forward to uh, getting more of the word out to the locals yeah well, we're gonna do areas. we're gonna help you out with that <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> i think this might do, do it so we've talked about the wonderful milestones i love that you mentioned people sitting at the bar and just thanking you that community space that you're involving are there any other particular achievements or things that have happened this year other than surviving and getting through it, that you're particularly proud of. I mean, well, obviously, surviving is like such a key. It's I have people to really give a lot of credit to the staff. Without a strong yeah. staff, we could not do what we've done. And I mean, I'm I'm proud of the fact that we have a lot of the staff that we opened with, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty rare in an industry with such high turnover. So, I mean, I think that says something absolutely about us that they are sticking around. Um, But we're just really thankful to them every day because we, like I said, when I walk in and I see everything running smoothly, I know mostly has to do with you're you're in charge and you're taking care of stuff. But they they really step up Mm -hmm. and just do their jobs. And a lot of them have a lifetime of experience. And it shows. Yeah. And you're obviously offering them opportunities to participate with menu or, you know, feedback and customers and things like that, which is, it's, that's critical. I mean, a lot of, a lot of servers don't get that opportunity. Um, Yeah, for sure. We want them to stick around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's always fun to, you know, open up that dialogue and and just get feedback because, you know, after you do it day in and day out, you kind of get your blinders on and then you don't think about other opportunities. And so, you know, asking for other, you know, fresh ideas is always mm-hmm. is critical. Yeah. Um, but I think 
I, you asked about what we were proud of, right? Um, I think we keep bringing up this football banquet, but it was over 100 people. So it was kind That's of... That's not a, a small group. It was a very big deal. And just it went very smoothly. Yeah, Everybody seemed really happy. The kids had a great time. So I think that really was one of our bigger moments where yeah. we I, felt I like, this, oh, we really pulled this off. <laughs> we could honestly, you know, for the right... Um, you know, group or whatever, you know, there's the opportunity that we could be a venue. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that was just kind of one that, like he said, you get with your blinders on and day to day and mm-hmm. just get the food out and to remember like, oh, we can stop and do this really cool thing. Yeah. yeah it sounds like the bank was an aha moment. Like, yeah. A, oh, there's so there's so much even more we can do now. Yeah. I mean, really, truly cool. So uh, the last bonus question I have for you guys when you're not at the restaurant, which sounds like it's, you know, slim to yeah. none, but where are you guys playing and going in the region with your family especially where are you guys hanging out oh well sometimes a lot of times we just make it down the mountain to el rodeo <laughs> that's all right um another great we do space. we both grew up in roanoke city so mm-hmm. we do really enjoy being downtown we just don't get down there like we used to mm-hmm. um our two boys are much older than the babies, so we had a number of years that we really spent a lot of time taking them downtown um all over but i think and now we're in between roanoke and salem so we do go into salem even sometimes but um i don't know we really don't make it as long as they bring the food to me and i don't have to do the dishes that's usually the stipulation yeah that's well that seems like a pretty good rule for a restaurant Uh, owner yeah. yeah we have actually our big treat lately has been full moon cafe for breakfast man he brings that home after he drops one off at school i'll just eat their chocolate chip cookies at 10 a.m i don't care yep we just (laughs) (laughs) finished off the cookies yesterday (laughs) well i love that that's awesome uh and sounds like you're doing a lot of football and and you know extracurricular activities too so you're certainly busy in the community doing all those things as well Absolutely. Yeah, busy, busy. Yeah. Well, so where can people find you? Let's share where they're going to be able to find you on your website, you know, your social, your address. Um, actually, we have a brand new website. Woo-hoo. Finally, it's treehousetavernva.com. Um, it's Still also, evolving. Yes, Treehouse Tavern VA on Instagram and Facebook. Um, mostly Facebook is where we update stuff. The, the um, website does have a space to buy gift cards, our menu, some pictures. Cool. Um, That's one of our biggest challenges is trying to step up our, our retail and mm-hmm. you know other various things that... Uh, yeah, you're busy making people. food. Like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but there's been a lot of demand for the sauces and things like that. Uh, so we've... Interesting. Yeah, we would, we would really love to add that. Oh, okay. In this year. All right. So when we talk to you next year, that will have happened. Hopefully. <laughs> You'll be selling by the barrel, maybe. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, but yeah, Facebook is where we do most of our updates. Um, but we do have a website now, so that's exciting. Uh-huh. Perfect. Never, never thought that would <laughs> we'll send them there for the menu. Um, I'm going to come by and get the nachos pretty soon because I, I yes. swear I'm thinking about them weeks later. And Layla was like talking about how great they were. And I was like, it's okay, a, well, I'm a nacho a fanatic. Good, so a good choice. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, the barbecue and everything else is going to be stellar. The pictures were awesome. We're going to share some more of those over on our uh, on our website. And so, of course, you can learn more uh, about the Treehouse Tavern. Thank you guys so, so much thank for being you. on From Print to Podcast today. You were on our uh, last episode, episode 12 of our first season. So thank you for your time. And congratulations. 
congratulations again on the mini dining awards that you guys have you're proving a force to be reckoned with and our readers i'm sure can't wait to get through the doors and taste your menu and all the other great stuff you've got coming up it's gonna be great thank you very much much. yes what an exciting year and only great more things to come in 2024 so thank you uh readers and listeners you can learn more and read about the treehouse tavern including the articles from our november december issue as well as the great feature we did back in july august over on our website at theroanoker.com Our next segment is sponsored by Bloom Restaurant and Wine Bar, a modern American small plate restaurant and wine bar on Main Street in the historic Wasina neighborhood near the Roanoke Greenway. Bloom offers locally sourced and seasonally inspired cuisine and libations. Their indoor dining rooms and seasonal outdoor venues are open for dinner service Wednesday through Saturday, as well as for Saturday brunch with private dining and event booking available upon request. Reserve your table now or book your next event at bloomrke.com. Listeners, I think you were really going to enjoy our second segment today because we're sitting down with someone who has been subtly mentioned in nearly every podcast episode of our first season, and now you finally get to meet him. We're so pleased to share today's second segment with Nathaniel Sloan, owner and executive chef of Bloom Restaurant and Wine Bar located in the Wasina neighborhood. Thanks so much for joining us today, Nate. Thanks for having me, Liz. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Seriously, I do think nearly every podcast episode we've done this year has mentioned Bloom in some way when I ask about favorite spots to eat and drink. And so when I was looking over past episodes, I was like, man, that's kind of crazy to see that you've been mentioned so much. That's great. Yeah, (laughs) we have an amazing community. Yeah, truly. And we're going to learn more about that today and how you're giving back, too. Um, And here's a blast from the past. So did you know I was doing some English major math, which if you listen to the last financial episode means that I'm just sort of hoping for the best of a (laughs) round number. But you and I have now known each other for over 13 years. Wow. Right? So one of of my first jobs when I moved to Roanoke was waiting tables at Local Roots, of which you were Mm -hmm. chef at the time. Um, And so personally, I feel like you played a pretty major role in my better understanding of fine dining and what it means to eat locally. So thanks for that. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And it was a great adventure we had back then. Yes, it was. was. And on to new adventures. Yeah. So you, uh, we did the counting and you won 16 awards in this year's 2024 Dining Awards, thanks to our readers. So I won't list them all because you can find them over on our website. (laughs) We'll be here a while. But those things include for multiple years now, Top Chef, Best Overall Staff, Best New Restaurant. I mean, those are really amazing things. And we even skipped 2020 due to the pandemic. So this is really like three to four years of some really amazing feedback from readers who are excited to be in your restaurant. Yeah, we are honestly extremely grateful to have the support and the community behind us like we do in our team. You can't say enough about them. And they win the awards because they are that great. They're an amazing amazing. group of people that really believe in what we are doing here at Bloom. And um, it wouldn't be possible without them. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And they clearly love you. You were actually in our 40 under 40 class of 2021. And to this day, I still think that was the longest nomination I've ever gotten because your entire staff at the time pitched in and wrote that nomination for you. Um, And so it was very clear that their love and respect for you and what you do was palpable. And, you know, it was just great to see that. It was wonderful to see them giving back to you who are giving back to them all the time. Yeah, I like I said, I couldn't do it without them. And it is what makes Bloom special. Yeah, it is that family, that community that we have there. Absolutely. Uh, So listeners, you've also seen Bloom and the Roanoke again, not just for the dining awards, but um, since the restaurant's launch, we showcased Nate's gorgeous plate of beets. If you're looking on our YouTube channel, you can um, see me waving that around right here. Uh, One of my personal favorites. And so, um, you know, thank you for allowing us to showcase that, not just your 40 under 40, but the restaurant itself and the dishes that you're making. Your Instagram photos are always like, they're not just about drooling. It's like a piece of art. So that's always really beautiful to see. Yeah, that when we... um when you all put us on the cover that year, that was quite incredible. Um, that was somewhat in the infancy of our uh, life as a restaurant. And um, that moment in time really was surreal. 
and um, we do do our best to create, you know, art on the plate in the sense of like we do feel like people eat with their eyes first. Mm-hmm. So we always try to like <clears throat> start there and really have fun with what we're doing. Yeah, well, it definitely shows because just the plates are always beautiful, and I I hope that your you know kitchen team really enjoys putting it all together, even if they do. They have to use the tweezers and <laughs> tweezers are optional. Yeah, they are okay. encouraged um, just for that precision. <laughs> yep. Um, and ultimately. You, as a chef back there, you kind of find that over time you get more and more comfortable with them. Sure. And so you kind of start to reach for them in, intuitively. Yeah, just your extension of your fingers mm-hmm, basically exactly. at that point. <laughs> mm-hmm, without a doubt. Cool. So, um, you know, in terms of readers have learned a little bit about you from our class of 2021, 40 under 40, but a lot has happened since then. And I was curious about if you would be interested in sharing some of your background with our listeners. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm somewhat local, grew up in Franklin County, Virginia. You know, uh, my family has operated a non-certified organic produce farm there for going on 30 years, which was an incredible opportunity for me as a young lad, as they say, you know, nothing like <clears throat> building some work ethic and character when you're out there in the field digging potatoes and picking berries or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I give it up for my parents and my family and my sisters for that, because without that humble uh, foundation. I don't think I would be the person, of course, or mm-hmm. the chef that I am to this day. Um, and then, you know, of course, got that bug to travel and moved out west for a couple of years and then to the northeast, um, did some international travel, came back in Roanoke, settled down for a little bit and then moved to Asheville with my former partner. And then we came back and then settled into Roanoke and voila, Bloom came to life. Yeah. So. And that's sort of a, like, what sort of inspired you to open the restaurant because you were obviously in the restaurant industry and what made you decide I, I got to do this I just have to do this on my own and really just rock it hard yeah um so upon moving back to Roanoke I felt um if I was going to stay in the industry because you know you have these shifts in time and you know as you grow older you're always constantly thinking what's what's my next step what's the next move for me um and then food just seemed to be that calling for sure it's been the foundation of the last 20 years of my life and the direction and it's a huge piece of me so it felt right I felt like the Roanoke, Roanoke is a great place and a great and, and I feel like we have the perfect time to kind of continue to build and create and there's so much room to grow and so it just seemed more than appropriate timing to launch absolutely do that do what I've had been doing and kind of see where we can continue to grow Roanoke mm-hmm. uh, and so let's talk about Bloom the story behind the name what inspired the name Bloom um, you know, that was quite an organic um, fruition to say as well. Just brainstorming, once again, the former partner, we were just outside. And, you know, I have always kind of wrestled with myself and my worst critic, as they say. So I was really struggling with the name. And it just seemed, you know, sometimes when you're stressing yourself out on a topic, you kind of can't see past the, yeah. the fence line. And so that came into conversation and then it just seemed to fit. And of course, um, it's not just bloom in the sense of a flower, of course, which is the first imagery I feel like most people kind of, when it comes to mind, um, bloom happens a lot actually in the culinary world and just in life around us. And so the first thing that pops into my mind when I think about bloom is making bread and kind of that yeast culture and that new life that's being brought into the equation and how the opportunity is there to craft something great. We need to write a book together. That's like perfect <laughs> on the nose of like beautiful industry. And so in addition to the wonderful dinners that you're doing, you also recently incorporated brunch into it um, earlier yeah, this year, I brunch. believe, mm-hmm. um, which is just ridiculous. I mean, like to be able to go in and eat that giant stack of 
souffle pancakes. And I know the menu has changed since, but like I still yeah. think about those pancakes. The souffle pancakes, <laughs> they were the launch for sure. We wanted to do something fun and yeah. unique and try to like honestly just attract attention and get people in the door on a Saturday. And um, it was a lot of fun. We have since changed them. They mm-hmm. may come back. You know, we'll see. See what the see what the guests say and see what they think. But um, we are very happy with the way brunch is going. It's 11 to 2 on Saturdays. We may even start opening a little bit earlier just to kind of accommodate the earlier crowd. But Oh, that'd be me because I'm ready for, yeah, second breakfast at like 10 a.m. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we've definitely been in discussion about that and trying to grow those hours a bit. But it's it's a lot of fun. We have a great team. Um, it's been a great experience to being open because I love our space during the day, the way the natural light kind mm-hmm. of comes in through Main Street and just fills the room and just kind of illuminates everything around you. It's it's a really great space to be. Absolutely. It's really beautiful. And you did a lot of work yourself in there. I mean, I remember walking by there for months while you were getting ready and it was just, you were always, you know, yeah. in work here. That's right. Blood, sweat, and yourself. tears, right? Yeah. So I owe a lot to my father and my close friends and family for their assistance, you know, uh, Maddie, our first sous chef, she was there painting with me right by my side. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Garland team and the construction crew that they had on site was was crucial. And we worked together as a team to really accomplish and had a really great friend of mine, Tom, from Branch. He did a lot of the detail, fine work for us, too. Mm-hmm. So it takes a tribe. Yeah, and I will add that that work, you know, you kind of helped spawn the regrowth of that Wasina neighborhood, I think. You and Quincy and, right, and so many R&D. other mm-hmm, small businesses sure. that have come together to to provide this space for people who, I mean, you're three blocks from my house, man. Like, that is yeah, great. crazy. When we moved into that house, there was nothing there. And to be able to have a coffee shop and an amazing restaurant that does brunch and dinner like we're so (laughs) we talk all the time how lucky we are to have that within walking distance and of course Roanoke's you know pretty small so you can get to bloom quickly (laughs) when you need to you're right off the greenway you can walk down if you need to you know to be right there um but it's been wonderful to see that growth and so you've been a really key part of that like how do you feel having Mm. seen you know what it was to what it is now I mean that's been five years essentially yeah well and you know as a as a young middle school <laughs> skater boy, you know, we would get a friend of mine. His mom would drive us in, and we'd go to the skate park, and we'd tear it up and go to the go to the Getty. And it always felt just a little bit different, you know. It's yeah. Being a country boy, being in the city like that, you're like, "Ooh, all right, kind of edgy. I like this stuff." You know? <laughs> so to be a part of the revitalization of Wasina has been a true honor, and it's. Um, they do say a restaurant can be a catalyst for a regrowth like that, but I do think R&D being that anchor, mm-hmm. moving in that January and then us opening that July. Um, and then, of course, the businesses that are there, the Barbershop, uh, Renovation Alliance, and now we got a um, really boutique gym there, mm-hmm. too. So it's pretty incredible. And our good friends, Chelsea and Jeremy with the Juice Company and the Buffalo Hemp. I mean, you got a great community there, not to mention the goat and the tap yeah, room and, and everything. Yeah, and you got Kind Baking right area. next door. Oh, like, of course, oh my Brent, gosh. She's a, <laughs> It's so hard walking into work on the days they're baking and not just wanting to eat all of the food. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. I love that you carry some of her stuff in there, too. Like, I think that's oh, yeah. really clever to be able to work in your neighbors. Of course. You know, yeah. we try to make it as synergistic and full circle as possible. Yeah. And so she's right beside you. But actually in between is this lovely little space you call it the jazz lounge room. Yeah. Um, and so that is a, a wonderful event for overflow, but also for private events. I think that's a mm-hmm. really cool option that you have as a restaurant that you're offering to people. Yeah, we really... Um, Stephanie, our AGM, has been doing a fantastic job kind of really growing that events program. And it's the perfect intimate space, not only for a romantic dinner, but also for smaller groups, business meetings, kind of corporate functions and things that are under 30 people. We've really been trying to um, grow that because it's such an 
intimate and gorgeous space that can lends itself well to just small groups and just special occasions. Yeah. So personally speaking, so last year I threw a, a freelance party for my mm -hmm. Roanoke yeah, freelance team and we had a party in that space for two hours and I've got people asking me all year like, we we're going back there, right? I'm like, okay, it's July. I cannot think about Christmas parties <laughs> Christmas right now, so you know? Right. Um, but it was great. It was, you know, there were probably 30 of us in there at any point. Mm -hmm. And your, your poor staff, you know, Tyler's like navigating around all the elbows and stuff. But you made this custom drink, the hot off the press cocktail. And it was just such a pleasure to be there. And like, you felt like it felt like holiday in that space. It was yeah. so great. It is, it is very romantic, especially around the holiday time. And Brandon, of course, on the bar, always crafting the most yeah. delicious cocktails around and Tyler as you mentioned now doing blind house so it's really cool to see how um, a restaurant and a community that we have can really grow into something that just continues to multiply and become stronger and well better. and I wanted to touch on that because you've had staff who might not lo no longer be with you currently but they're still involved with you in some way you've got Lisa mm -hmm. Archer she's doing you know edible Blue Ridge you've yeah. got Tyler who's at blind house I mean these are people who you have worked with and you continue to work with in other avenues even if they're not directly working for you anymore yeah. um, but I think that's that's really um, collaborative and so it's wonderful that you're still keeping in touch with folks who have been important to you in some way and you're building that community even greater than what it was mm -hmm. yeah without a doubt um, you know good people will always find each other and when you develop those connections and you find incredible people like Lisa and Tyler and Brandon and all the crew that's even moved on and that is still on the Bloom team you don't really want to let those relationships kind of fade away and you want to try to keep those fires lit and yeah keep the creative moments and keep it all rolling forward yeah uh, so in thinking about your Bloom menu because you the, the whole really lovely idea behind your restaurant is that you're bringing in local ingredients and that you're featuring mm -hmm. local farms and you know vendors that might not otherwise be seen you know and so in thinking about how you incorporate local ingredients into your menu like again explaining from your background why is it important to you to do that to be able to bring your community into your menu in such a way for sure yeah um you know local food it's for me it's hard to fathom a world where we don't offer local food on every table mm -hmm. um the flavor the importance the ultimate benefit that it has in that direct community is so impactful and so exponential in terms of the growth, the health, the nutrition, uh, the, just the general benefits of eating and supporting local. Um, so I can't stress that enough for everyone out there. Go to your farmer's market, go to Leap, go to the mobile market, do whatever you can to um, continue to grow this local food scene. And with that being said, you can ideally, I feel like you can taste the difference on the plate too. I would so, absolutely agree with that. Uh, yeah. A carrot just hits different, you know, a local <laughs> yeah. carrot. So it's just, it's Which is one it, of your favorites. I feel like you almost always have carrots on your always. menu. Always. Well, it's also as as, something that grows pretty, yeah. you know, regularly multiple seasons around here too. So. Yeah. And the one thing you've kept on your menu, I think, since the soft opening that I was there was those potatoes aioli. Like that, yeah. that has stayed of consistent course, and I, it must be a popular. Flagship, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, the potato is the root of almost any menu. So you got to have a, a nod to the, a delicious potato out there. The root so. of almost any menu. All right. Tell mm -hmm. me something new. Uh, so in thinking about your favorite dishes on the menu, do, is it hard to pick a favorite? I'm, whether you even have a right. favorite, I don't yeah. know. You, you have things that you like and flavors that you love. Like what's one of your favorite ingredients to cook with? You know, I feel like that's like asking Jason, what's your favorite album? <laughs> you know, Bob um, Dylan album specifically. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but I would say... Something that kind of comes to mind lately is um, the spaghetti squash dish that mm -hmm. we'll do on it. We do, have done a couple years in a row now, and it's just left the menu because, of course, the season is short-lived. But um, the simplicity 
and the, just the elegant nature of just treating spaghetti squash as if it was spaghetti mm-hmm. and just having a delicious aged gouda and cheese and a nice sauce, just the simplicity of an ingredient and how it can shine. Yeah, that stands out to me. One of my favorites. Of mine, oh my lately. gosh, you put gouda on anything, and I'll eat it. But right, like... <laughs> yeah, especially twenty-four month aged oh raw God. milk gouda. Yeah, it's like ten thirty in the morning, and I'm ready to eat some bloom dinner on a Monday. Uh, well, that's awesome. And so, has there any um, been any ingredient or maybe a dish on your menu with a heartwarming story related to a farmer or a mm. local farm? And I have one that I think of in mind, but I'm curious what your first response might be. Yeah, um, you know every. Every plate and every ingredient has a story at some point for that individual that raised that from seed to what becomes the plate, um, the fork for the guest. So um, I think a story that means a lot to me lately was our dinner that we did with Smoking Chimneys. Yep. That was yep. really incredible mm-hmm. um, to have Ty there and with his family and being able to kind of have a cookout in the courtyard and just... I don't know, just even just have a conversation and just hang out with a friend of mine while working. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I was there for that, and that was going to be my example, so you stole oh, my you answer. All right. uh, but no, that was great because he, he went around and talked to the tables and mm-hmm. got like – Yeah, we, he jumped right in there. Yeah, and we kind of knew him from the farmer's market, you know, but like he was asking questions and, you know – how did you hear about us and things like that? And he was so interested in hearing the table's responses. And mm-hmm. um, it was great to see that it was almost like seeing community being built right there because he was paying attention to who had, who had come out to support you, to support him. And so, you know, he sees that people are giving back and he was so grateful for it. You know, I mean, I know that he's such a good guy. And so to have what yeah. they happened to their farm um, and for you to kind of come in and, and you know, Glad ha- Gladheart and a couple of others mm-hmm. really kind of yeah, came together sure. to help him. And it was great to see the community do that. Yeah, and that's, you know, ultimately Roanoke is community, and that's another reason why settling here and launching Bloom just felt right. You know, you have that gut feeling that they say, um, and it's just the community there, and we have such a great community, and it's supportive, and we look out for one another no matter what. Well, so. you've given me an excellent seg, so I appreciate that. But you actually give back to the community quite a bit through the restaurant. Um, you know, you've been a consultant with Leap Market and things like that, but you also pick a charity organization. Is it every month where we people do, can yeah, give every back? Every month, yep. Yeah. Um, so it's very similar to how the co-op does the roundup. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, it's a blank line that the guests can leave whatever amount they feel is appropriate. Right. Which mm-hmm. I think is interesting that you do that just because it's another way to give back. Like, yeah. Even in a passive way, you know, you don't. Exactly. And it just allows us an opportunity to, once again, do what we can for our community and support local organizations that every dollar counts and makes a difference and an right. impact on ultimately the health and the welfare and the wellness of our everyone around us. Yeah. And you really pick a wide variety of organizations, you know, which is we interesting. Do. We try to try to keep a diverse audience of who we're supporting because we believe in so many different causes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just specifically food. Um, we do a lot of work with women's shelters and battered abuse and things like that. Just anything that really strikes a chord for us and know and, yeah. and organizations that we know that need our support. Yeah. Is it like a staff pick? Like, how do you do that? Like, um, Generally, the management team okay. will choose. But we, if anyone ever has a suggestion, we're always open to <clears throat> incorporating whatever group we can. Cool. That's great. Uh, so in thinking about the Roanoke dining scene, of, of all the things that you've been a part of it, you know, what do you love most about our, our dining scene currently? In Roanoke. Mm, Williamson Road. Okay. Yeah, that's my favorite part of the Roanoke scene. You right hang out over there and just eat everywhere if you can? It's, it's hard to choose. Yeah. It's just so great. I'm, I feel so fortunate to be in a town that has such a great community of diverse offerings and things. I think from that's one a, side to the other. Yeah, it's especially interesting because you've mentioned 
travel and international travel. Mm -hmm. So you've lived in other spots. And so that you feel comfortable saying, I can eat internationally here in Roanoke without too much travel. (laughs) We are really fortunate to have the diverse offerings that we do. Yeah. And of course, the downtown scene is always great. we got great restaurants down there. Mm -hmm. Can't can't beat it. But um, when I'm craving a something different i usually hit williamson and see what calls my name cool i was gonna say like you i mean how much free time do you really have anyway but like do you even get out to <laughs> to eat at a lot of places restaurant yeah, operating hours obviously you're probably a little busy during dinner time <laughs> you've got a dinner rush to head, to head but, off <laughs> you know my team i will say my team is incredible or the bloom team that we have is incredible and more and more i see more of a light to kind of get out and try things mm-hmm. during general operating hours yeah so i feel well, very fortunate for that and in your free time, what are you doing when you're not eating? I mean, are you skateboarding under the... Uh, not anymore. <laughs> I can't afford a wrist injury. <laughs> that's <so>. fair. <laughs> Usually it's just hiking or spending time outside. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I know friends, you like to family and get on the ones. river and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Any excuse to get in the sun. Yeah, well, cool. Uh, well, listeners, we have barely scratched the surface of this interview. I have so many more questions for him. That we're actually going to break this into two segments. So we're going to have a special bonus episode um, in January, but we're going to share even more about Nate. So please stay tuned for that. Nate, thank you so much for being on From Print Podcast. Thanks, today. Really appreciate your time and everything you're doing to contribute to our community as Bloom. And thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you all it's for really wonderful. helping us be a part of it. Absolutely. Uh, so you can see Bloom's 2024 Dining Awards wins and more of the restaurant's coverage in our latest issue over at theroanoker.com. And I bet you're already excited to learn more about Bloom Restaurant and Wine Bar as well as make your dinner or brunch reservations quick or I'll take your seat, which you can do at bloomrke.com. Thanks again to our segment sponsor, Bloom Restaurant and Wine Bar. Learn more about Bloom, reserve your table now, or book your next event at bloomrke.com. If you've popped into any of the local farmers markets this year, you've supported nearby farms and farmers working very hard to put food on the table. That also includes many tables of your favorite restaurants, where fork-to-table dining is not only encouraged, but a definitive part of the experience. It's thanks to farmers like Alex Stewart of Thornfield Farm, who's here today to share more about how hard he works for your favorite meals. Hi, Alex. Hey, how's it going, Liz? Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate your time. We um, had a great article in our November-December dining issue about farming and how hard you guys guys truly work year round to make sure that your produce is featured on many local restaurant tables. So that's really exciting. Yeah. And thank you, of course, to Susanna for being our uh, interview person who was in the photos and everything. I know she can't be here today, <laughs> but uh, we so appreciated her time. And we are we're partners yeah. in life and in farming. <laughs> and uh, she has fully deputized me to speak on her behalf. Excellent. Well, she is the better to be in the pictures in general. She's the more photogenic of the farmers. Well, so we always appreciate we that. appreciate her time and her wisdom that she shared in the article which, of course, you can see over on our website. But as for today, now I want to talk about, first of all, your background. Like, how did you guys find yourself in this position today at Thornfield? So Susanna grew up on a farm. Mm -hmm. And actually, the property that our farm operation is on now is her family farm. Cool. So um, the kids will – our kids are the fourth generation in her family growing up there. That is so awesome. We're – and her parents moved there full time in the 70s to start a dairy operation. Mm-hmm. Her dad was like going to be a lawyer and her mom was going to be a teacher. And her mom actually has had a good career in education and she's done a whole lot of stuff too. But they've both been farmers for 50 or 60 years now. They still run a beef cattle herd on wow. much of the land of the farm. Man, um, you guys are busy. Yeah. Like the yeah. whole family, really. <laughs> they like it busy. That's awesome. I'm the only lazy one, oh, but I that. can kind of I fix know it. that's not true. <laughs> I know for a fact that's not true. I see you every Saturday at the market. <laughs> yeah. So we so Sue's got back. Um, she kind of always had the bug to move back to the farm. But we actually met when we were both living in D.C. around um, 2009, 2010. Um, 
I was a struggling musician and she was working for like a, as a legislative consultant and um, like an education advocate for nonprofits in mm, DC. Wow. So we met back then and we're dating and then ended up going our separate ways. She to San Francisco and I to New York City and then we swirled around a bit, but she always had it in her head to go back and work on the family farm in some capacity. Her parents were then were either in the process of ultimately or had recently given up dairy farming. Um, the economics of it for small farmers has been getting worse and worse mm -hmm. over our lifetimes. And I mean, basically over her parents' careers, it mm -hmm. got harder and harder. So they gave up the dairy herd sometime in, I think, in the first decade of the of the 2000s. Um, but Sue's always had this dream to go back and live on the farm full time and make something work. And so largely, thanks to the farm to table movement, um, and farmers market in general, and like the whole local vor changing of shifting of focus of where people get their food and how they know the people who make their food. She kind of started thinking about this new business model that's a diversified, primarily vegetable operation with a focus on serving local uh, markets and, you know, anchored in local food serving restaurants mm -hmm. and the whole. The whole like farm to table movie. man what a career like you've both had but like, yeah that's wild i love that she gets to come home to continue the legacy that's been built like, she is it was a considerable pay cut but yeah. she, <laughs> she is well, loving she's it. not in dc anymore either exactly <laughs> so yeah cost of living is good it's, it's true. man cool so you mentioned a diverse range of of things that you offer produce and of course in the past has been dairy um but you know i've seen at your table you've got veggies you've got meats and of course you've got flowers susanna's flowers are unbelievably Thank gorgeous. Uh, I'm curious about, you know, how you cultivate all these varieties, what that means to you guys, how hard you must work to have such so many options. It is, there are always a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. Um, so my main day-to-day -day work is more on the animal side of things. Mm -hmm. So we raise, we have about 100 laying chickens and 50 lambs right now, or excuse me, 50 sheep in the flock, mm -hmm. about two-thirds are lambs. And we raise... We kind of separate out some of the beef cattle from Susan's parents' herd, and we feed them ourselves, kind of a special diet of mm -hmm. uh, integrated grain ration and keep them on the pastures to manage the pastures better. And so that aspect is my bailiwick, and that that uses a different kind of the topography. So the farm property is super hilly. There's a lot of steep land, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of woods. There's a lot of brambles, and Thornfield is a very apt name for a lot of the fields, so they get quickly. <laughs> but so managing the vegetables and the meat together, uh, the veggies and flowers and meat, allows us to use every bit of the farm Yeah. to kind of make some kind of productive no food wasted space aspect. that's awesome that said we do have a lot of woods and kind of what, what we pride ourselves on in large part too is allowing these woods that are now 50 to 100 years old that had been in agricultural land in centuries past to return to a real like mm -hmm. native diverse big old hardwood forest yeah so we're, let them breathe <laughs> we turn more onto that exactly but having the meat around the edges is really helpful to be able to use more of the the non-woodland yeah. In, in food production. The vegetable and flower diversity is, it's both um, like climatologically helpful because it lends to the resilience. Like if, for example, this fall we had a really bad broccoli year hmm. in part because of a pair of horrible groundhogs uh, against whom we have sworn <laughs> vengeance but have yet to catch. But um, largely because the climate here is really challenging to grow mm -hmm. those kind of coal crops. Like Whereas Bent Mountain is a lot better because they have fairly cooler summers. Up where we are in Botetot, the 
the distance between the last super hot days of the early fall and the first frost in the in the autumn is often very short window. Mm-hmm. Similarly, the between the last frost of the spring and when it starts getting really hot in the summer is a short window. So those shoulders can be really difficult to grow. Crops like cauliflower and broccoli, which really like a long, warm but not hot, cool but not cold season to yeah, grow in. That's so, so interesting. Actually, so we had Treehouse Tavern in our first segment, and they, they literally talked about how the area where they are at Bit Mountain is cooler. It's like 15 degrees cooler. Oh, yeah. And I did not realize that there's such a, a huge difference in the temperature just right down the street. So you know? we, we source a lot of our um, like inputs, like the organic fertilizers that we use mm-hmm. and the different kind of things that we mix up in our soils from Seven Springs, mm-hmm. which is a really like a venerable old CSA farm. And they're also like an organic supply uh, logistics place. And they're up on Bet Mountain in check. So every time I get to go up there to get a ton of stuff in the summer, <laughs> yeah. I like hit the top of the switchbacks on 221 and just roll down yeah, the window. Yeah, let your oh hair fly. Yeah. <laughs> let your beard fly, I guess, I in your hair. case. Oh man, that's cool. Yeah, but so the diversity of the crops is really helpful because we're more resilient to climate change issues as well as yeah. just the challenges of the climate that have always been around here because having all these different crops, it's rare that it's a bad year for everything. So mm-hmm. this was a really bad fall for broccoli, but it was also the best year we've ever had for carrots in the fall. So that kind of diversity of what we grow really helps a lot. With, yeah, um, that's so interesting. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is like, I've had your broccoli, like the real deal broccoli in the summer and you, I can't go, I can't go back to like the not that's how grocery we get you. store. Deal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because I dream of that real deal, like that delicious, flavorful broccoli. Yeah. All, like all year round. I'm like, okay, give me them two weeks. I can't wait. Well, thank you. And I assure the listener, she paid in full for the <laughs> broccoli. That was not how we got this. Exactly. <laughs> but we, They're my yeah. favorite vegetable. But that, and I mean, that gets at the heart of the farm to table movement yeah. too. I mean, there are a lot of genuinely good aspects to the business model in terms of reducing your carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. It's better way to eat for climate change. But at the end of the day, it's really, the food just tastes so much better. Mm-hmm. And like, becoming, you know, getting into this as part of, you know, idealistic trying to change the world. We've also, we've really come around to being passionate about the quality of the food and Mm -hmm. what, what a difference it makes to be eating with the seasons and following what's in season and just like how much better your food tastes and particularly the vegetables, which tend to be better for you and better for the world. It's amazing. It's just like, yeah, so it's been eye opening for me to have moved in here, started the second year of the operation, but yeah. So quick, did you, did you ever see yourself like in this lifestyle before? Like, is this something that you just sort of stumbled into and like, great, awesome. I totally thought I was going to be an organic farmer when I was like a Brooklyn hipster. But I was radically misinformed about what it was like to be an organic farmer. So, yes, I thought I would be a farmer, but I had no idea what I was talking about when I was yeah. imagining. And I remember I visited Susanna for the first time, like in the summer of her first season. And I saw like this sort of trail going up the steep hillside. And I said, oh, like I can just imagine you like with a hoe over your shoulder walking up that. And she's like, no, that's the irrigation line. I drive the truck around the driveway. Like the hose are in the back of the truck. It's not like that at all. So it was, it was a fun it was. It's been a long road of being disabused of yeah. my notions of what it's She's like. She's beaten at all the stereotypes. <laughs> and yeah. Well, no. That's so. What does a typical day look like for you? Like, you know, where it's about I don't know one thirty, and you know, how long have you been up already? Like, uh, you get up with chickens? I I don't get up with chickens. The chickens can wait until <laughs> yeah, I get up. Yeah, but you have small babies too. <laughs> we do exactly. So yeah, I get up. I get up with the almost two year old. <laughs> she woke us up at five forty five today. Mm. Which this time of year, we actually slow, uh, we get a little bit later. Like the farm crew starts at eight in the fall. Yeah. Um, and so we're 
we're up to get the kids out for school and to get mm-hmm. up there. But in the summertime, work starts at 7.30. All the computer work has to be done before then. So it's it's a very... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you guys are like out there all day long. Just... The chickens get an earlier breakfast yeah. <laughs> in the summertime. We'll say that. <laughs> Man, that's... that's Yeah, because you probably have some pretty long days out there. Like, yeah. Yeah, but it's interesting. The paperwork has to be done before. <laughs> like, oh, you yeah. got to rip that bandit off Before the sun and, comes up. Yeah. yeah. And Susanna deserves most of the credit for that, too. Usually I'm screwing around on the internet while she's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> so um you know readers were talking they they learned about the november december feature um how many local restaurants are highlighting your farm's produce and other farms of course too on their menus and so we've you've touched on how that farm to table connection impacts your business of course as well as the dining experience and you know nate sloan from bloom is on our second segment earlier and talking about the farms that he works with and and you've hit the nail on the head which is the food tastes better when it's directly from the source, like it's amazing how different that is. Yeah, it's the freshness. And I mean, the way Nate actually, he's he grew up farming too. Yeah. So he's like been really cool to work with and is a super knowledgeable uh, customer of ours mm-hmm. as a chef. But I, I think the only way you're going to get peak freshness is by anticipating and planning for the season and also rolling with the punches the way that the season changes. Yeah, but what happens when you plant on brown broccoli and then it doesn't pop up? Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, we leave that to him. Yeah. We just, <laughs> <laughs> That's his problem. <laughs> but we, yeah, I think uh, there is no way for your food to taste better than shortening the amount of time between when it is harvested and when you eat it. Yeah. And uh, it, changing your diet and your cooking with this, the seasons mm-hmm. is just a great way to... Uh, it's a great way to live. Yeah, and keeps it interesting too. Keeps, and you yeah. know how I know it's great from the source because every time I see you guys on your Instagram, I see those babies picking those blueberries right off and just, <laughs> I'm lucky I get any blueberries. Well, right now it's turnips. <laughs> I love that they eat turnips though. Oh yeah, the Hakurai turnips are like, like the, they're kid bait. They're perfect. They're, but they're, that's uh, amazing. Like I don't think I ever touched a turnip when I was a kid. Like, aside from Super Mario Brothers, yeah, I don't think I ever saw exactly. One. <laughs> like, but that's so cool that they get that experience and their, you know, their point of view. Yeah. Too. No, the trouble with that is that they almost categorically refuse to eat vegetables at meal times because they <laughs> they're only full eat. up through the day <laughs> for picking them all themselves. That's hysterical. But I love that they get that experience, and of course, you guys get to share that. And, and like you said, another generation. Yeah. Understanding the industries. Well, so raising a family on the farm is is a enormous consolation and driver for us wanting to do it i mean being able to have them run free on the farm Mm -hmm. have the healthy food right out of the ground it's such an amazing privilege that we have and like we're really lucky to live to live the way we do yeah it's it's something we're we're grateful for yeah do they name the chickens do they have pet names for everybody i don't let them name the chickens (laughs) that's that's probably we name the sheep that stay year to year yeah we try to (laughs) we try to keep them at arm's length it's remarkable to see their kind of relationship with meat eating Mm because they eat meat and they have known from the cradle that the animals that we raise are animals that we eat. Right. So it's it's been cool to, in addition to having the healthy vegetables out of the field, to know that they kind of are building this ethical and thoughtful yeah, relationship yeah. with, no, the, that's with great. the meat that they eat. Yeah. And, you know, so Nate and I talked about this too. We He, he and I both, he, him, of course, previously was the chef at Local Roots, and um, I got my start waiting tables there. And oh, so we no were way. working together. So that's how I have known him for a thousand years. And so he, I feel like he really influenced my experience and understanding farm to table and the sole, you know, values that Diane Elliott, you know, it's, it's, it's organic, it's local, it's ethical, it's sustainable. It's all these things that kind of culminate into this great experience on a plate. Like that's really amazing. And, and I don't think I, 
I mean, I assume I would have stumbled upon it at some point, but like it's because of Local Roots and my experience with Nate that really taught me what that meant. Yeah. Well, and they, Local Roots is still going. And yeah, they're, they're yeah. definitely like the, you know, the, the kind of OG mm-hmm. local. Oh, yeah. Food you think restaurant. Farm to Table and they're one of the first. They were like yeah. first, you know, early in the first mm-hmm. wave of the movement and have been really an anchor for a lot of small farmers that we've known. I mean, yeah. Diane's your biggest cheerleader. She's any farmer's biggest cheerleader, yeah. I swear. Like, <laughs> But especially, we're her favorite farm, you could ask her. Too. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so you'd mentioned, you know, challenges in terms of climate and things like that. And so I'm curious about other challenges that maybe you faced, whether it's in the region, you know, specifically, <clears throat> or just as a whole, um, you know, technology or, or anything like that, that maybe you've had to implement to get around those challenges. Yeah, so... I mean, the biggest challenge is always the weather. Yeah. And, uh, I assume that was the, the biggest one, but I didn't yeah, want to. Yeah. I, I would say a good farmer can always complain about the weather. <laughs> well, but the, <laughs> in, any, time of, any time of the day, huh? Uh, there are – so there are some sort of uh, dirt technologies that mm-hmm. we employ for that. So we do a lot of covering of the, of the winter crops. So – we have unheated high tunnels are kind of, I mean, I, I think this is technically a technology, but we use these plastic greenhouses. We have a small propagation house that we actually heat for the seedlings. And that's the only thing we have like, a, um, I think it's 30 by, well, I can't remember exactly what the square footage is. It's a far smaller footprint. And we have two propane tanks and that's the only like powered heating that mm. we have on the whole farm. But we're able to keep producing stuff all winter with these unheated greenhouses that have a higher ceiling and a lot more uh, of a square footage inside. Mm-hmm. And so we have um, three permanent ones. And Suzanne actually learned about these things we call caterpillar tunnels, which are a mobile greenhouse. And we we order a bunch of uh, square steel piping and mm-hmm. then bend it ourselves with a jerry-rigged plywood bending machine that her father <laughs> figured out a few years ago. <laughs> and we actually, we got this plan online from like um, farmers in Kansas or Wyoming or somewhere in the West that mm-hmm. has really intense winds. So we knew that it would be able to stand up because we have considerable winds huh. but compared to those guys. Yeah, not so, yeah. bad. so these are, we like pound rebar on the ground and then fit these pipes over them and have like a rigging system with the plastic. So basically at this point we can put up or take down one of these cat tunnels in about a half day of work with a couple of the farmhands who are all getting who are amazingly skilled now at, mm-hmm. at this and a lot of other things. Um, so that's enabled us to be able to keep crops going in the winter. The freezing is difficult to manage, but it's actually the daylight getting shorter that makes stuff sure, stop growing. Yeah. So, it's not just us that get seasonal depression. Yeah, exactly. It's the vegetables <laughs> too, I guess. Yeah, well, they call it the Persephone effect. So it's a lot okay. nicer name than seasonal depression. <laughs> it's essentially a good yeah. way to look at it. But if we get them up to size this time of year, then they'll basically be in stasis all winter. Gotcha. Okay. And we can harvest off of them as huh. we need to, which I don't want to apply that metaphor any further. To yeah. Say that. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of, it's interesting because, you know, farming's, you know, the cornerstone foundation of our eating habits from the beginning of time, you know? Yeah. And so to think that how far some of this tech or evolution has come, that yes, you're still using the old ways that, you know, your ancestors used, but now you have to incorporate other things because of climate change, because of the, right. the soil or whatever. Like, But also, and I mean, we're, we're all for limiting the sure, global yeah, yeah. production of plastic, but like having things like greenhouse plastic available. Yeah. At the, I mean, they're not cheap, but like comparatively mm-hmm. affordable as opposed to like a glass greenhouse mm-hmm. is amazingly helpful for that kind of thing too. Yeah. So putting some of this new material into the old ways has been, it's been a cool and a really, it's a really cool thing yeah. to learn about. Just, just sort of, do you think if you picked up like 
Susanna's grandparents, you know, and brought them into this stage. And they're like, well, what is that? What is that? What is that? Like, how did that's so cool? Or why would you use that? Why wouldn't you just do, you know, yeah. the old school way? Like, it's kind of interesting to like think you have a tractor in the right. barn. Why are you pulling this stuff by hand? What are you thinking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I would hope that, you know, a lot of farmers are uh, excited about that kind of uh, n- new spin on things and, you know, finding new avenues of, of improving their work and, you know, working smarter, not harder. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And we have we uh Suze's dad is a brilliant guy and yeah. it both he Jerry Riggin tools and, oh wait, yeah, yeah yeah well and, but they've been like they've been um eccentric farming for for decades and mm-hmm. decades and so he's always reading new stuff like that so we definitely have like an intergenerational yeah pipeline of new ideas but that's awesome because yeah. i mean imagine if you didn't like where would you be you know like yeah. so that's exciting that you know you're into the the new evolution of things. it's great he's always yeah. we've always called him the silent partner in the farm yeah. well I john mean. thornton i'm calling you out <laughs> but the- <laughs> as the parents tend to or want to do occasionally be a silent partner well but we before we get off technology <laughs> yeah, too, yeah. i should say we've been we've had a lot of ups and downs with um software because we have this really big farm share program mm-hmm. and so we have a platform called farmigo that we use for that that we're really happy with and that's been a, a, an enormous cornerstone of the foundation of the business. Mm-hmm. Like the farm share, our members are amazing community and like their support is really how we get through yeah, year to year. Yeah. Um, but recently Suzanne has been using a new software with like a flower cooperative that she's co-founded. So this is, um, this way the different, we can have members of the co-op, so different vendors setting their availability and it all goes into the same pool of money, which shares the cost of, you know, doing the e-commerce. Yeah. But also because we can get more producers and more flowers, we can serve bigger businesses and bigger designers. So we can sell consistently to florists and to wedding designers mm-hmm. and that kind of thing in a way that we as an individual flower farm never could do. Man. And flowers are something. I mean, we love growing food and we'll always grow some food. But mm-hmm. we're pivoting more and more to flowers just because it's something. I mean, they're gorgeous. They're so. beautiful. Yeah. And like purse. Per acre, they're more profitable, but mm. more than that, they're something Suze is really passionate about. And, and she puts the bouquets together herself, the ones that I see occasionally. Like yeah. they're, I don't know how you have an eye for that. It's just so beautiful. The colors and like the 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 arrangement itself. Really, she is really She's talented. She's got a great eye. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. And she, in part, that's grown up as well. Her mm-hmm. mom has always had flowers in the garden and they've yeah. always had flowers in the house. And it's something that, that she cares a lot about too. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, and so in thinking about the technology, I'm laughing, I'm laughing in my head because I always, people don't necessarily always use cash at the markets. And so you're, people are always asking for singles and stuff. And so you're talking about the co-op, the money all goes into one pot. You're like, man. Oh you yeah. You've saved my butt so many times <laughs> with your singles. Well, you know, Jason gets all the singles from the tipping and then we just bring it back to you guys the yeah. next week. So from instead there's farm to table and then there's busker to farmer. Yeah. That's, that's, per- <laughs> that's, that's Jason long story. Yeah. Busker to table. Um, it, but you know, and thinking about the, all the markets that you do, and then you're doing leap markets on Tuesdays and things like that. Um, you, you're really out in the community creating connection with folks. I have seen you <laughs> hold conversa- full conversations with people who are, you know, waiting in line for their produce because you know them so well and you know them by first name. And that's not like easy to do, you know, like yeah. you're already working on the farm all day hard and then you got to go memorize all these people's names on a Saturday morning. But like you're really <laughs> cultivating community, which is so I know important. their stories better than their you, names, you I should well, say. I don't, you know, if you they know quiz, If everyone quizzed me on their name, I'd be in real trouble. <laughs> But I do. It's been really wonderful getting to know people. Um, 
I have to imagine that's part of the reason the line wraps around half the market every Saturday <laughs> because they just want to come like say hi to you. Like, well, thank you. Yeah, I you know it definitely slows down the line with me <laughs> chatting what, with everybody. It's a Saturday morning at the farmers market. Why are you in a rush? Well, that's that's definitely hang out, my enjoy your time. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I. You know, it can be kind of lonely work. We have a great community on the farm with mm-hmm. the family and with the farmhands, but we're we're fairly isolated up there. And so it's great to be able to have the opportunity to just talk to a bunch of people. And yeah. it's convenient for me that they all come up to the table because I can get a lot more done. Yeah. Is that the, the easy part? The like just hanging out, talking to people and like handing out the produce that, you know, you've been working so hard to cultivate? I I do most of it and I think it's the easy part. Yeah. But Susanna, who does most of the real farming, thinks that... <laughs> Mine is the hard part, so it's, it's a question of taste. Well, that's and a nice talent, partnership then. Exactly, <laughs> that balances yeah. out well. Well, and so you know, what other kind of events or, or you know, kind of community activities are you doing? Because I, again, I know I see you on Saturdays, but then Leap does Tuesday markets and things like that. Yeah, um, we we don't do Leap's Tuesday market, okay. but I'm glad you brought up Leap mm-hmm. because they're that's the local environmental agriculture project, and they are. Sue's started selling at the Grandin Market, which is. The farmer's market that started that nonprofit, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, 20 years ago now. Yeah, already. This is going to be Suze's 10th season coming up next year selling there. Nice. But so because she started out that market, we've our farm business has always been beholden to Leap for the community organizing that they do mm-hmm. and kind of the services that they provide to farmers. And they have an incredibly extensive um, diversity of programs that they use to support farmers, but also to build community in Roanoke City yep. and to get that food to people who need it and right. to teach, to like educate about healthy food and about local food and also to provide it. So for us, a great thing that Leap does is make it super simple to donate food because mm-hmm. the nature of farming, even though we're a very small business and we're very versatile, there's always some food left over. And when you're selling fresh produce because of the ticking clock, of course, you, you, know, yeah. you have to do something with it. And so they have a lot of partnerships with other community organizations that have been great you know the hope center leaps to mind they're a great Mm -hmm. place that we work with directly and through leap that um really helps us to get a lot of food out in the community yeah huge shout out to connie and the entire team who work so hard and like you said they're they're out there trying to solve food desert problems in the neighborhood which you know some people some listeners maybe you don't even know we have food deserts in the region but we do and connie and other organizations are working as hard as they can to make sure to provide where it it's missing yeah connie also manages the grand market we love you connie yeah we we do yeah on the youtube we love you connie (laughs) (laughs) And I actually worked for Leap for a couple of years doing the mobile market too, which is the cool. which is a super cool program. Yeah. So they help us donate food and they also buy extra food from us for their program. So mm-hmm. we're able to sell into their CSA program and into their um, into the mobile market and their direct sales like that. So Leap is such a cool organization and yeah. they're getting bigger and cooler every year. They yeah, I feel like they're doing more and more. Patterson. Yeah. yeah. So we're yeah. We love them. Yeah, I, I, we're grateful to them as well. And of course, you know, they're, they're helping bring everybody together so that you guys get to meet other farmers and other organizations who yeah. are doing stuff. So it's not just about selling the produce. Yeah, but... well, and you were talking about socializing with the customers, which yeah. I love doing and is great. But the we also meet so many farmers mm-hmm. at the farmer's market, just like all these other vendors over the 10 years we've been doing it. We've met so many different people doing so many different, like growing and producing so many different kinds of food in yeah. so many different ways. And it's been super rad to 
to get to meet other yeah. farmers and, have and it's exciting kind of social it, group there. Like yeah, that. and it must be exciting to to see new farms or new vendors kind of coming up and learning and maybe hoping to learn from you. You know, yeah. asking questions. You know, Tara over at Rabbithead Farms is I, man, I'm obsessed with her chicken. Like she's in the article <laughs> for farming, and like I need to bring her in too because like I just love chatting with her about the processes that she does, and you know she's raising kids too in this whole in this whole mm-hmm. thing. And like I, how do you guys? do that like just i mean <laughs> how do you you don't sleep i guess one day at a time <laughs> oh my god yeah i guess that's the best philosophy to take it but it is i mean it's a great it's a great way to raise kids if yeah. you like the the free range is a lot more the free range child ideal is a lot easier to attain when you're yeah when you're doing that's the that headline thing. of this by the way free range children <laughs> cool well thank you is there anything else we, we haven't covered that you want to my gosh I could go all day. I know, we could. We should do a can, we were going to do a 3-hour podcast that's just me complaining. Deal. Next time. Okay, yeah, but, but the we, weather probably. Yeah, yeah. Mostly the weather. <laughs> cool, Alex, thank you so much for your time on Print, po- print yeah, thank podcast you. today. Thank you for having me. Really yeah. appreciate it. And, you know, so just again, to, you know, thank you to Alex, thank you to Susanna, thank you to all the farmers that are working so hard, um Thornfield Farm and all the others, not only from being on the podcast today, but sharing more about the farm, the hard work, your incredible heart that goes into every product that you're putting out. Not on the restaurants tables too, but also on my table, you know, um, local dining experiences would not be the same without you guys. So we thank you. I, I, I'm thanking I you from thank the region Lucky, as a whole. I want to thank Fortunato, yeah. Stock, River and Rail, Local Roots, and Bloom. Who yeah. I forget? Those are the main ones. That's awesome. Thank you, you. And thank you Love to those you restaurants for supporting the <laughs> farming industry. We appreciate it. You can learn more about Thornfield Farm as well as several other local farms serving up the goods at your favorite local restaurants along with your own fit table at home and so much more in our latest issue. It's on newsstands now and you can always read more over at theroanoker.com. This has been our 12th episode of The Roanoker Presents from Print to Podcast, hosted by your dearly devoted editor, Liz Long. Thanks so much to our friends, Lee and Scott Markham of Treehouse Tavern, executive chef and Bloom restaurant and wine bar owner Nathaniel Sloan, and Alex Stewart of Thornfield Farm for sharing more about the many ways our restaurant industry impacts our region and community through local dining and food opportunities. Thank you so much, readers and listeners, for an amazing first season of our podcast. We are thrilled to have shared even more about our magazine, region, and the amazing people in it throughout the year in 12 terrific episodes as well as five bonus episodes. Much of the information is evergreen, so feel free to revisit our podcasts and YouTube channels, hang out over on our social media platforms, and always read more at theroanoker.com. Stay tuned for our next episode, the first of 2024 in our second season, where we showcase our 40 under 40 class of 2024, hidden gems, culinary Olympians, and more from the Jamfeb issue. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your favorite audio platforms and YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you around town.